I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Have you ever watched an apocalyptic sci-fi movie and wondered, could any of this really happen? I'm Carrie Bechet, and on Hypothetical, we explore what-if questions two ways, through speculative science fiction and through insight from the world's most brilliant scientists. And spoiler alert, your favorite sci-fi movies aren't nearly as far-fetched as you may think. Time travel with me into our possible futures on Hypothetical. New episodes every Tuesday available on all podcast apps. That's Hypothetical, H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L. and welcome back to another episode of Thanks for Coming In. I'm your host, Jillian Clare. If you are new to the show, welcome. This is the show where I talk to fellow actors about their auditions and uh, how they got to where they are now and everything in between. It's a good time and I'm very lucky that y'all have uh, listened to this show for over a year now. Um, Pretty cool. Didn't know that I would be doing this this long but here we are and uh, I'm pretty happy that it's happening so thank you for listening and if you haven't given us uh, some stars yet please do that and if you're not subscribed if you're just tuning in for the first time hit that subscribe button I am back to pre-recording interviews as I uh, go away for a few weeks and work on something so Uh, Just in case things sound like a month ago when you're listening to it, it's because it is. So I'll be back to recording in August, but until then, uh, you will be listening to pre-recorded interviews and episodes that uh, we put together prior to me being busy. Today on the show, we have Jacob Hopkins. You may know his face from the Goldbergs, or you may know his voice from Dragons, Rescue Riders, or To Your Eternity. And uh, we have a great time. So here is my conversation with Jacob Hopkins. And welcome to the show, Jacob Hopkins. 
Hey, how we doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Thank you. I uh, I love all of the posters <laughs> in your room. Um, for those listening, he has some amazing posters up. Uh, they're great. <laughs> yeah, I got like a bunch of like Dragon Ball, Marvel, uh, some football stuff. I got Saints. You can't see because um, like my desk is here and then my bed's like right next to that. Um, I got like a bunch of like Wolverine and Doctor Strange stuff up here. Ah, so um, you're a comic yeah. book fan. No, I actually don't really like comic books that much. I don't know what gave <laughs> that away, but uh, no. <laughs> don't like them all that much, huh? Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I like pretty much grew up on those. Uh, I remember when I was like a little kid and uh, my dad would have me do chores around the house, which basically consisted of like sweeping and fluffing pillows and stuff <laughs> like that um he would like we would do it once a week and then we would earn um like an action figure that came with a comic book oh that's so cool that my brother and i yeah so that's how i got into all of that and uh i found out later that my dad is a comic book fan so like <laughs> it was sort of his way of i don't know i don't want to say like indoctrinating but like he but was kind sort of. of like yeah pretty much he was like this is what you must love learn to love and stuff, so. <laughs> i mean that's that's pretty cool i feel like um the people that i know who are big comic book fans also have this like innate knowledge of um like human perspective which i think is is very very different for those who you know don't <laughs> read comic books but i just i feel like the, everyone i know that reads comic books is very intelligent yeah cuz they're always theorizing about like the quantum realm and pocket <laughs> dimensions <laughs> oh my gosh i love that um so you've done i mean you've been working since you were a kid is that right yeah i started when i was 5 um my bringing on my dad again uh he <laughs> was a actor before me he actually played aj quartermain on general hospital in the Ooh. 90s yeah and i'm sure my mom would know him oh yeah she probably would <laughs> um <laughs> i've had like teachers who have found out and they were like wait a minute really <laughs> like, they, they had watched the show um but when I got into it, I was five years old, like four or five, and I was, my dad was still, he doesn't act anymore, but I think he was still like, you know, he's still kind of acting at that time, mm. and um, in the early 2000s, and I was running errands with him, and he, uh, we stopped by his agents, um, and they looked over at me, and, you know, were wondering if I wanted to get into acting, Um <laughs> And, you know, me being like a little kid, I just like pop right out of my seat. And I was like, yeah, sure. What's acting? <laughs> I, I didn't have so like a, I didn't have a concept of, you know, what all, you know, that was. I didn't know anything about show business. Um, and that's when I started. And um, I learned everything I know about acting from my dad. Uh, my mom uh, did some acting, too. She was more of a dancer, actually. Mm. Um she had a full ride scholarship for dance. Wow. Um, but she did some acting too. Um, so they, they knew like how to navigate this world. It's a completely right. different world, especially for a kid. Um, and you know, sometimes it can be pretty overwhelming. So I was very fortunate, 
um, you know, that they already knew the ins and outs of the business and they knew how to navigate it. And, you know, they guided me through it. They still do to this day, um, to a degree. <laughs> um, but, That's great, though. Yeah. It's it's yeah. nice to have somebody who is, you know, versed in everything that this business entails. I mean, I started professionally when I was eight as well in LA. Oh, wow. And I, my parents had no idea about anything. We moved from Portland, Oregon. So we had no idea. Um, so it's nice to have that that mentor of sorts. My acting teacher became my mentor. And it's nice that like your family was also your mentor because it's huge when you're a kid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, if someone's going to be your mentor, you know, it's it's got to be someone close, someone mm-hmm. you can, you know, look up to and trust. Um, yeah, I, I and then I've been doing it ever since I, I started uh, with just, you know, strictly theatrical. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't get into voiceover until I was around like 11. Um, so I've been doing voiceover for eight years, but mm. acting total of like 14 years. And or, what was yeah. what was like the first uh, set that you remember being on? Because I don't know about you, but for me, like I don't remember a lot from the early days because mm-hmm. it all just kind of like blended together. Yeah, it's just like oh, you know, I'm playing pretend. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that or at least that's how I thought of it. Um, I didn't like, you know, I still didn't have that concept of like this is a job. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think. The one that really stands out to me this day um, was when I was nine years old, I booked um, Alexander Drew on True Blood. I played a best show a van- ever. Like, like, dude, it's amazing. I play like, what What was the character description? It was like thousands of year old, like this vampire was thousands of year, years old, but he was stuck in a nine year old's body. Oh my gosh. Wait, were you the, were you on like the rooftop and then like. All that stuff. Wait, tell me. No, more. I did. I did. I did get staked though. If that's what you were going with okay, that. Yeah. I was. I was in three episodes, um, and it focused around like the vampire authority. So like I was a part of the authority. It's like that classic. It's like you know that classic trope where it's like there's a child who's like right. high ranking and stuff, but he's very wise and and cunning and and strong, and. I I end up getting staked by Christopher Maloney's character because Brilliant. I I feed my I, I film myself feeding on humans, and <laughs> he's like, "Yeah, that's against the law." <laughs> he picks me up and stakes me, and I explode in blood and guts. You got and staked by Stabler. I mean, come on. Yeah, I, it was it was awesome. It was such a cool experience. Um, going back to the your question, you know, like the set. I it was the most theatrical set I think I've been on to date. It, it, they decked it out to look like this lair, like this mm. ancient lair. There was there were like you know old um, you know cobblestone columns uh, mixed in with like this modernized table and light, but there were like golden chalices of blood and stuff, and wow. it was. It was so dramatic <laughs> and it really stuck out. My, my mom like went everywhere with me when I was nine, you know, acting wise. So, you know, she was there with me every day on set and she was, I remember, you know, her telling me later in my life, she's like, I was kind of worried that, you know, you would get scared. Right. And all I remember about 
you know, being on that set, um, like when I wasn't working, um, was just that I was super excited because I loved and I still love like, you know, monsters and creatures mm-hmm. of the night and stuff and vampires and Frankenstein and all that type of stuff. Um, and, and what a what a cool experience too to have as a child because it's like when you are on a set like that, it really does take away the 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 aspect of like yourself. Like you do feel like you're in it because yeah. it is so enveloping and huge and magical that you almost can't not act. Like it you have to do it yeah. because it's like, oh my gosh, look at this play space. Yeah, and you know, they would even deck me out in like all the makeup and stuff. They they put me in a suit. I was a nine year old <laughs> in like a, a suit, a suit and tie. They had the um like the the vampire authority like pin signia mm-hmm. on the tie, which I did get to keep. Um That's so I, I cool. do have that. I wish I like came prepared, I could just like pull it <laughs> out and show you. But I, I definitely do have that. Um and wow. they like they 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 put like the red eyeliner around my eyes they they kind of like spiked my hair down and i read oh wow i actually just remembered i completely forgot about this part but they like put like fake blood on my fingernails like caked them with blood gross yeah and so like as as a kid who loved vampires i was like this is awesome yeah and i i really i remember i really didn't have to try because i i already had the love and the passion for it so I just stepped in and I was like, I'm a vampire. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Let's do it. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Wow, that's so cool. And you, you mentioned now that you've been doing voiceover for the past eight years i think you said um yeah, right and you're doing dragons rescue riders now which is so cool because how to it's a how to train your dragon spinoff oh which yeah. is like the best i remember seeing that movie and being like i need toothless like can i have toothless can i have a dragon how do i get one <laughs> i was one of those kids when i first first of all joining the you know the how to train your dragon universe was you know still is incredible i remember i 
I read all the books before the movies came out. Mm. And <laughs> I was going to say I was one of those kids that when I saw the movie, I was like, um, actually, you know, Toothless isn't a giant black dragon. He's supposed to be a small green dragon. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I've always been a huge fan of that, you know, that world, that series. And, you know, being a part of that is kind of surreal to this day. Um, for those of you who don't watch the show, I uh, I voice Axel Fink. He's um he's a human in the Dragon universe, and he's sort of like a con man. Um, he's the nephew of the the antagonist, uh, Magnus Fink, the evil scientific genius. And Axel uh, joins in season two, um, and he he joins up with Magnus, and they team up to take down the rescue riders pretty much or so magnus thinks my goal the entire time um it you know it fluctuates i have my own agenda at the time i wanted my own dragon um and then there are other instances where i want to join the rescue riders i want to become a hero um so i sort of have that arc where i realize that my uncle's kind of a jerk (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's sort of like, I wouldn't say it's exactly like, you know, the Joker Harley Quinn dynamic, but it's sort of like that, you know, there's the evil boss and then Mm -hmm. there's, you know, that, that, you know, underling that, you know, idolizes that boss, but then starts to realize that, wait a minute, you know, I'm not all that bad, but Mm -hmm. you know, this guy is, so where do I fit in? Um, and those types of roles are always really fun to play, I think, um, Especially since he's constantly switching sides. Yeah. It's an unpredictability, you know, that you get to play. Um, it's a very really uh, Loki type of thing. Yeah, happening. there you like, go. Yeah. Is he good? Is he bad? You don't know. Yeah. That's cool, though. <laughs> and it's it's fun to do that, you know, just just with your voice. And we've, I've talked about this on the show before with, with other guests. It's It's so difficult to convey all of that just with your voice. Like it's a it's a certain skill, a certain muscle that needs to be worked. How did you how did you find your way through the voiceover acting like genre? Because it is it is really its own craft. Oh yeah. Now I was I was literally about to say it's definitely a completely different craft. It's a new world. Um uh I had been doing theatrical acting um at the time you know i started voiceover when i was 11 so i had been doing theatrical acting for six years at that point so Mm -hmm. i already had the art of acting under my belt Mm -hmm. um if that makes sense like i already you know i i knew how to act and you were comfortable you were yeah right i was comfortable yeah Mm -hmm. so that wasn't the problem the the tricky part was learning all the different things that come with voiceover um when we when when people are on camera um, you know, you and I are talking right now, we're using a lot of our body language and our facial expressions to communicate. Um, you know, we, we have inflections in our voice, but it, it, it comes across clear, you know, when you can see our mouths moving, you can make out exactly what we're saying and all that stuff. But none of that really matters when it <laughs> comes to voice acting, because there's no camera to pick that up. So you you have to work on kind of, you know, not kind of, just portraying every emotion solely through your voice, mm. um, which, you know, technically speaking, requires, like, you know, you have to speak very, very clearly, um, enunciate, but make it seem natural, like, make it seamless. Um, 
you have to work on, you know, finding the right placement of acting because mm. you do have to exaggerate a little bit. Um, and if you still want to keep your performance grounded, you know, stuff like right. Ren and Stimpy, they go way over the top. But, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> do you know what you're dealing with? Um, but, <laughs> you know, Gumball, he gets over the top, too. But there are those moments, those real moments. Um, you just kind of have to exaggerate those inflections in your voice, really yeah. pay attention to the detail. Um, and then there's always like working on the range of your voice, how high, how deep, adding those tones, the, you know, maybe a raspiness or a gravel or back in the throat, booming type of sound. Um, what else is, oh yeah, pacing. Um, that's, that was very important in Gumball. I remember the pacing and the diction was Mm. the hardest for me to learn because, were you going Gumball too talks. fast or too slow? Well, the thing is, Gumball talks insanely fast. He's like, bum, 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 you know. And so I had to learn. I, I basically had to, like, relearn speaking. Because, <laughs> you know, anyone can talk fast. But in voiceover, you got to talk fast clearly. Right. So you'll flub up a lot and you'll kind of, like, trip over yourself. Um, I remember, like, one of the specific things. Uh, I think the first episode I ever recorded was called The Fan. And I had a line um, that I, I said, I think we need to have a conversation with this young lady. Like I can, I can say it right now. Like it's, it's very fast, but that specifically was something that I had trouble saying. Like I would trip over myself. He just talks <laughs> so fast, man. <laughs> and I did eventually get the hang of it though. It took a little bit, it took a, maybe about like a month worth, like a month's worth of practice. Yeah. Um, but you you also do to your eternity eternity which yeah. is on HBO Max and that's anime. How does the the anime differ from regular cartoon work? So uh, that is you know it's still voice acting of course, but it's it's under the genre of dubbing. So mm. when you're dubbing, the animation's already been done. Right. You're just acting to the lip flaps of the character. Um. So I know that can be tricky for some people because, um, you know, in my mind, even when I'm recording for To Your Eternity, sometimes I think in my mind, I wish I could say it like a different way, a different pacing. Yeah. Um, you want to try different things, but you have the, the pacing has to match. So you can't exp- experiment with that really, unless, you know, if your character is kind of like the mouth isn't showing on the camera, right, maybe it's like the camera's from behind or you're off screen, then you can experiment with that. Maybe like the character's wearing a, a, a mask or helmet or something and you can experiment with that, but you can't really in the dubbing world. Um, so that's that can get tricky because you have to not only watch the animation before your eyes and concentrate on that, like keeping the timing. Mm -hmm. You also got to remember that you're acting. So you have to like (laughs) sound natural and real while you're focusing on how you sound. Um, I wonder how many people get lost, like just trying to like do the words while watching the screen and just completely forget their performance. I, I remember uh, a couple weeks ago, there was an episode I was recording where there was one line, I can't remember what it was, but that's not the important part. Um, I say I said this line, and I thought my and my voice director Michael Sorridge, he's like, "All right, great, moving on." And in my mind, I was like, "Wait, can I try that again?" Because and and we eventually did, and I got it the way I wanted, because I was like, "Wow, 
I really wasn't paying attention. You just to phoned like, it in. Yeah, I just kind of like, <laughs> I was so full. It was like kind of like a speech. Um, it was like nine seconds of talking. So I Jesus. really had to concentrate on those lip flaps. Um, but I eventually got it the way I wanted. Um, wow. But you don't yeah. you don't just do voiceover. You're still, you were on, are you still doing the Goldbergs? Because you were on that yeah, for a very long right. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been doing that for eight years. We're on season eight, actually. Um, wow. I, I started doing that when I was 11 as well. Um, man, when I was 11, things were, were great. Hi, guys. <laughs> gumballs, doing Goldbergs. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, Goldbergs is incredible. It's a really awesome, you know, production to be working with. Mm. Um again, like I started young. I, w- I was young when I got on set and everyone treated me with kindness and warmth and, and respect really. Like yeah. they didn't, they never talked down to me. Um, you know, they always treated me like I was one of them. And, uh, especially Sean Giambroni who plays Adam Goldberg. Uh, we, he, before, before I joined, there wasn't another actor or anyone on set that was his age. So Aww. once I joined, he was like, Oh my God, thank you. <laughs> I'm a friend. And, yeah, right. I knew a friend and we hit it off immediately. He's, he's always been super cool. That's awesome. And it's, yeah. it's so fun to, to be on something for, for that long because those relationships, they don't, they'll never go away. You'll have those until yeah. you, you die because you're the only ones who, can say that you had that experience together because every show is different every every mm-hmm. thing every project is different but you guys yeah. have this connection now that's going to last a lifetime right and you know if you think about it even further than that we made that connection through our careers and we're mm-hmm. going to be doing this you know this is our job so you know we'll definitely cross paths on another project or something like that um, I remember when, um, when Gum- Gumball is over, I remember when Gumball was still, you know, out with new episodes and stuff. And, uh, Sean actually, um, was on the Cartoon Network, uh, cartoon Clarence, um, mm. that was still on. And I remember, man, <laughs> this was back when Cartoon Network still did the hall of, uh, hall of game awards, um, and I remember we both went there. So that was like something that we got to cross paths on again. We were like, oh my gosh, hey, you know, um, That's cool. yeah, I'll always, you know, like cherish those types of relationships. They're important. They're very important. And it's, um, it's good to know good people in this industry because mm-hmm. there oh, are, yeah. there are the bad apples hanging around. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there are definitely some slippery slopes for sure. Um, <laughs> Just like in any, you know, place, there's always going to be the good and the bad. And you really yeah. got to, you really got to hold on to that good. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so on this show, we like to to talk about past audition stories that uh, oh boy. are fun for the <laughs> listeners to hear. Um, do you have one that you would like to share or two or however? Yeah, I got, I got a few. Um, okay. <laughs> So buckle in. Yeah. I got a few, you know, 14 years of acting. I probably got a couple. Uh, I remember when, so Fast and Furious 9 is already out. Right. Um, so I can definitely talk about this. Um, I 
think the auditioning process was two years ago, or almost two years ago, actually. Um, and I auditioned for one of the characters. I think his name was like, I think it was Jack. It was Jack. Yeah, one of the characters, Jack. Um, I don't know who got it now. I haven't looked at the cast. But I remember when I auditioned for it. Uh, and then I got the call back. Mm-hmm. And then I heard that like Vin Diesel and, you know, the director, I think it was Christopher Nolan. I could be wrong though, but um, they had seen the tape. So they had seen my tape and I was like, whoa, oh this is crazy. So, and then it got to the point where there were six uh, guys. Wow. It was down to six guys, including me. And I remember casting was calling me up and saying, pack your bags, get ready to go to London tomorrow. So I, we thought, oh, I must have got, I must be really, really close. And then they ended up going with someone like way older. He was like in his twenties. Wow. And I was like, dang it. You know, that's the one that got away. Cause they were telling me, pack your bags, get ready. You might be going to London. You know, mm. I've never been, it was going to be like, Whoa, new experience. Um, wow. and they were being like, so for sure about that. Uh, I remember, um, that's that's wild because it's like yeah. you hear I've heard I've had that happen a couple times too where it's like you hear this incredible feedback from the casting directors and you're like oh my god I have it it's in the bag <laughs> yeah right it's mine I'm gonna you know go get ready for this and then all of a sudden like boom yeah. you didn't get it and JK but it's it's interesting that that ended up being somebody who was you know in a different age range than you as yeah. well. So you can, that's, obviously that kind it of was stuff, like, yeah. it was like, you know, something, at least knowing it's not something you could have controlled, right? Because exactly. they went that kind of stuff, so far opposite. Right. Yeah, that, that kind of stuff, when I always hear that, um, I've definitely been in those situations where it's like, this guy looks like you, he's got the same type of personality and he ends up getting it. But I've been in, you know, plenty of situations where it's like, oh, we want to go um, older or younger, or we want to go ethnic or just something that, you know, you know, I can't control my age or my race, you know, um, I've even been in stuff where it's like, I get down to the wire and it's like, oh, we actually want to change this role to be a girl. And I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) So I, yeah, there's no way I can control that. (laughs) Nope. That's that's so far out. Yeah. Um, so that, that type of stuff I've always been okay with. It's like, okay, okay. You know, that, you know, they made a decision I can't even do anything about. Um, I remember another audition that like, you know, got away was, um, there was that Noah's Ark movie that Emma Watson starred in and I auditioned to play her younger brother. Oh, wow. And that, like, I, I thought I was totally going to get it. I remember, um, auditioning for it in California. Then I flew out to New York wow. to do the callback. And like, just for the callback, I flew to New York across the country. And I remember after my callback and I was walking out of the building, one of the assistants was walking me out and she was saying like, I hope you're going to like Iceland, which is where they were going to film. And she's like, I hope you're going to love Iceland. And she's like, you know, saying like, you're going to love it there, you know, pack your bags, all the same stuff. And then it goes to like a complete, like nothing like me. (laughs) And I was like, well, great. (laughs) 
Anytime somebody in the future starts telling you to pack your bags, you just need to tell them to stop talking because that's like clearly a curse. Like, don't talk about it. We're just going to walk away right now. Imagine I just like three years from now become a crotchety old man and I'm so jaded (laughs) and I'm just like, don't tell me to. (laughs) Don't tell me to pack my bags. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's wild, man. It's but, you know, the thing is in this industry is if it was meant to be yours, it was meant to be yours. And if it wasn't, then it never was. And that's kind of just how it works. Mm -hmm. And I think the yeah. sooner, especially for, for younger people listening to the show right now, the sooner that you become okay with that, the more fun it's going to be. Yeah, I've definitely, I, I think since I started so young and I, and I've always had, you know, my, my, my view on the industry has definitely matured over the years, but I started young and I always had this sort of innocent lookout where it's like, if I audition for something and I don't get it. Eh, I don't get it. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Move on to the next thing. And I've always, I've always kept that. Um, it's never rejection. Um, and you know, this is just an important life lesson in general, but rejection never really bothered me that much. Which is um, amazing and great. <laughs> well, yeah, because <laughs> when you think about it, it's, you know, yeah, you're the one auditioning, right. But it, it all comes down to what the casting and you know the director and the creator what they want it's their mm-hmm. project it's not your thing it yep. becomes kind of your thing if you become a part of it but you know you don't have control no. over that type of stuff so it's like whatever just move on to the next thing yeah all you have control over is putting in the work and yeah doing the best you can and not giving up <laughs> that's it <laughs> yeah as long as you always do the best you can you know, then you'll never be dissatisfied, I don't think. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It has been a pleasure to talk to you. Oh my uh, gosh, I'm so glad we ended on <laughs> such a, an inspiring an note. Inspiring note. <laughs> um, where can people follow you on social media to keep up with all your stuff? Yeah, my Twitter is HopkinsJacob5 and my Instagram is HopkinsJake. Um, I actually do want to announce something real quick. Yeah. Um, don't worry. It's it's nothing you would have known about beforehand because it literally happened yesterday. Oh my gosh. I can't say exactly what it is, but I got a call saying that I booked another lead for another animated series. <gasps> um, I can't say exactly what it is yet. I imagine soon though, because I'm actually starting to record like tomorrow. Oh my gosh. Um, and I don't know when this is going to come out, but my first day of recording is going to be June 23rd. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. <laughs> and we're recording this the 22nd. So Wow. Well, congratulations. And you have a film that you recently did, Carolina's Calling, that's going to come out probably next year, you think? Yeah, that's right. I'm thinking uh, probably either later this year or oh. early 2022. Um, I think it's going to be coming out on a streaming platform. I don't know yet, but I will keep you guys updated about that so you can check it out on the social medias and also the new voiceover thing. Yay. Well, congratulations. And again, it was so great to talk to you. I can't wait to see all of the fantastic things that you do. Thank you so much, Jillian. I had an awesome time. Thanks again to Jacob for coming on the show and uh, spending a little time with me. It's always fun to meet new people on this show and uh, get to connect.
Tune in next week for my conversation with Jason Stewart. And until then, make sure you're subscribed to the show and following us on social media. If you didn't know, uh, every Friday we release a really fun Instagram TV video, uh, which shows about a minute to two minute clip of our conversation with this week's guest live, us actually talking to each other. Uh, Instead of just, you know, listening to it, you can see a tiny bit of it on our Instagram. So make sure to follow us there and tell your friends, tell your family. And as always, thanks for coming in. Hello, friends. This is Mark Nell, executive producer of the Table Read podcast, where imagination meets performance. As we wrap up an incredible season one, we want to take a moment to express our heartfelt gratitude to each and every one of you who tuned in and supported us on this amazing journey. Season one was nothing short of extraordinary. We delved into captivating scripts that transported us to worlds beyond our imagination, thanks to the brilliant writers who delivered these works. But what really brought these stories to life were the talents of our amazing actors. But wait, the excitement doesn't end there. As we bid farewell to season one, we are thrilled to announce the launch of season two. Get ready for more gripping narratives, more unforgettable characters, and more mesmerizing performances that will keep you on the edge of your seat. We have some big surprises coming. The Force will definitely be with you. So stay tuned, stay engaged, and most importantly, stay excited. From all of us at the Table Read Podcast, thank you. And let's make season two even more memorable together.